It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I was not as flabbergasted as Carlin was about the decision to keep Jimmy Garoppolo because it's a smart thing to do, even though they handled it a poor way. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Nick Friedel. I am Matt Jones, and we are ready to get you going at 4 o'clock on the East Coast here. And the big story is still Jimmy G. There's probably been very few people that have been more t- – It's this has been the summer of Jimmy G and Kevin Durant. Like, those are the two people who we've had the most conversations about. But now he will stay in San Francisco, and he will be the backup to Trey Lance. We got, we got on this earlier, Nick, and I asked you, do you think – that he will end up starting first or be traded first. You said traded first because you said people end up getting hurt. He is probably on paper the best backup in the NFL. So if somebody was going – if you if you have a team that you think can contend for the Super Bowl and you lose your starter for the year, yeah. he is probably the best person imaginable you could put in that situation. And it's usually the case that one of those teams will 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 come you know come about. So I think it's pretty fair to say, Nick, that once he is going to start at quarterback for some team at some point this year. Absolutely. And Matt, if you're a team that really believes that you can do it, Jimmy has the experience. I know a lot of people try to to tear him down and what he's accomplished, but. The guy has been to a Super Bowl. He almost got the Niners back to another Super Bowl last year. And to me, when you wonder whether or not this thing can work with the switch, with Trey Lance being the guy and Jimmy now being the backup, it's all about the trust that you build over time and the transparency that you feel the organization has had along with the players. And Matt, if people are trying to figure out which way Jimmy Garoppolo goes on this or or if this can upset the locker room, I will always go back to, in my experience, being around all these different pro teams, when the trust is built from the players and it goes all the way up to the top of the organization, there aren't many issues and you can still win. But when a player doesn't feel that an organization has been transparent or they feel lied to, or they're not on the same page with the plan that's supposed to be in place, that's when you have major, major problems. So you've been around there. I mean, you were around San Francisco for a long time. I mean, you know, you, you, you know that franchise. Do you, do you think that trust is there? Well, actually, before you get to that, we have with us on the phone, he's Vernon Davis. He's a former NFL tight end. He won the Super Bowl. Well, not just him, his whole team, Super Bowl 50. And he is joining us on behalf of Smirnoff, which is very nice of him. Vernon, you're a 49ers guy. When you heard that Jimmy G would be back, what was your first instinct? Well, all I can think about is Trey Lance. That's Every time I hear about Jimmy G, I feel like they're they're both uh, they're they're connecting. They are because uh, it's a it's a battle. It's a battle. It's about the best man who can who can win a championship. That's what it's about. Vernon, you were in that locker room when the switch from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick took place. How can it work when you've got two guys as competitive as Jimmy G and Trey Lance? in the framework of the rest of the room and making sure that everybody is on the same page when that switch happens? Well, we can go, we can, we can talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick. We can talk about Alex Smith. We can talk about Joe Montana, Steve Young. We, there's a lot of, 
there's some history when it comes to this type of situation. And if I'm in that room, I'm thinking like, look, we, we brought we brought Trey Lance in for a reason. We brought him in to so that we can win championships with this guy. We love his upside. They probably they love his upside more than Jimmy Garoppolo's. It's, if they did it, they would have brought him in. And Trey can get it done. He can run. He's he's tall. He's big. He can pass the ball. But it all boils down to his mental state. Where where will he be mentally when it comes to game day or or? Each and every Sunday, each and every week, where will he be? Will he be able to go out there and perform like Jimmy G? We we, we don't know. But I do know if Trey Lance don't bring his A game, then there's a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo will remain, stay and remain the starting quarterback. Vernon Davis, two-time Pro Bowl tight end, uh, 49ers for nine years. Join us on behalf of Smirnoff. Well, let me ask you, you said a minute ago, I think the key point, it's about who can give the team the best chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not talking about five years from now, who's the best quarterback to have for the future. This season, 2020-2022, Vernon, who's the best quarterback to help the 49ers win the Super Bowl this year? Well, I, gotta, I, I wish I was in practice. I could tell you. Well, he hasn't practiced. They didn't let him practice, Vernon. How would you even know? They didn't even let him get on the field. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, but look, this is the thing. I think if I'm the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers, I'm going with Trey Lance. It's just it's just the way it has to go. I think he's a, he's the guy. But why? I mean, I I understand why you have to do that in the future. But for this year, this is I mean, Vernon you, you, let's, you were a veteran on teams. Let's say you're a veteran, and you know that Super Bowl window is a short window. Teams that have a chance to do it, they can't do it every year. It's only a handful of teams that really have a chance to do it, and they do. They have the talent to contend. If you were a veteran there, who would you want knowing that this window is will close? I'm going with Trey Lance because, it's, I mean, you, the time is now. I Look, he has so much upside. You give the guy a chance. We don't know. Look at look at the situation with uh, Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. We did. They went with Alex Smith because they didn't. They probably didn't think Colin Kaepernick was red, right? They went with Alex Smith because he had the experience. He was a veteran. And then when Alex Smith got hurt, then Colin Ka- Kaepernick came in and he seized the moment. He took advantage of the opportunity. Now, the the wise thing would be to go with Jimmy G because he has the experience and he's proven it, right? But then you have to ask yourself a question. Why do we bring Trey in? Give him the opportunity. Give him a chance to prove that he can go out and be the best quarterback in this league. Vernon, let me throw this one at you. You believe that Lance is the guy. As far as Jimmy goes, do you think that there is a better chance later in the year that he starts again for this team or he is moved for a future asset. Who, oh, Jimmy G? You said Jimmy G removed? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they keep I think they let Trey Lance start and Jimmy G's the backup. Now you have two good quarterbacks, right? You have a guy, if he doesn't get it done, then Jimmy G can come. Look, look at what happened when I was in Denver, right? When I was in Denver, Peyton Manning was running the show. Then they brought in Brock Os- Brock Oswald, right? Brock, when Peyton threw the through the interception, he went out and I believe I can't remember what game it was, but he threw quite a few interceptions. Then they brought Brock in. 
Brock took us a few games the way we needed to go. Then he started messing up, making mistakes, and he brought Peyton back. So it was like a, it was like a, it was a tugging war going there. Now, it could be the same situation with these two guys, with Trey and Jimmy G. We, we we don't know, but the smartest thing to do is to have Trey go in, let him start, see what he can do, let him figure it out. If it's not working, then you bring Jimmy G in. Now, if Jimmy G can't hold up, if he's not able to to go throughout the course of the season. Maybe he gets injured. Maybe he's not doing well. Then you bring Trey back in. And maybe by that time, Trey, something switches in Trey's mind, and he's able to go out and perform at a level they didn't expect. Vernon, I've been doing this show here with Nick for an hour and a half. I keep trying to get him to lay off the Smirnoff so that we can do the show because he just I, he can't focus. I know you have a partnership with him. You understand what Nick's going through, right? Yeah, let's put let's put Nick let him, let's put him in the cocktail coordinator contest, which is we're launching on September seventh. It's going to be amazing. It's about bringing the best, making the best mix of drinks with the best mix of people. Ooh, that's what it's about. So come on, come join us. My favorite my favorite cocktail, my favorite cocktail is the drink the Cosmo, the Cosmo Catch with a little Smirnoff twenty one, OJ cranberry juice, and an orange wedge. Yeah, well, a lot of people say Nick is a Cosmo catch too, so that sounds like a good one for for you. I uh, Vernon, I appreciate it. Actually, does sound good. I'm not going to lie to you, Vernon Davis, <laughs> Super Bowl champ, great guest, Smirnoff's own Vernon. Thank you very much. You're welcome, sir. There you go, cocktail coordinator. There you go. That that's a day after my birthday too, so I'll be ready to go on that on that whole front there. It's a job. It's a job our producer Cam is going to sign up for when this is over. The cocktail coordinator. I'm sold, man. I want to be the cocktail coordinator. Yeah, that's right. I can tell you, Kentucky had a basketball coach once who, on the side, was a cocktail coordinator. <laughs> Whoever <laughs> he, could you be talking is he about? Coaching that. He ended up not coaching here all that long, to be quite frank with you. Now, another first round pick was cut by the Las Vegas Raiders. Why do they keep messing up? That's next here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It is Candy and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, where you can see, see Nick Friedel. You can't see me. I'm just a picture on there. But you could see him. And he is doing well in New York. I'm Matt Jones. 
We are enjoying a nice afternoon, and one of the headlines that sort of came across the wire. They still have a wire, Nick? I always hear that phrase. I don't know what it means exactly, but, like, isn't it? They still have a, a technically a wire that news comes across. When when those AP stories hit, Matt, there there's a wire somewhere. That's for mm. sure. I wish I lived in those days. But anyway, the tweet came across that Alex Leatherwood was cut by the Raiders. Now, you may say, who cares? Everybody's getting cut. But he was a first-round pick in 2021, just last year. And he played every single game for the Raiders last year, and yet he is cut. You do not see first-round picks cut after their first year. But it got us to thinking about how the Raiders have drafted. Now, granted, the regime that did this, which was John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they're gone. So you can't blame the current batch of coaches. But here is just an example of the high draft picks of the last few years. In 2021, of course, Leatherwood, he's now cut. In 2020, Henry Ruggs obviously had the terrible uh, car issue after a DUI, cut. Damon Arnett, cut. Lynn Bowden traded during his rookie training camp, which you never hear of. Then in 2019, Cleveland Farrell, they have declined his fifth-year option. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year declined. Jonathan Abram, fifth-year declined. Of course, Jacobs had success. But it is interesting to see, Nick, how poorly that regime has drafted. And it leads you to look at this year's draft, where, by the way, the highest pick they had was in the third round, in part because they've gotten rid of first and second round picks for other things. And you sort of wonder why a team that, if they had just drafted well in those last couple rounds, might have the talent to contend and are now a few players away, and this is exactly why. Matt, the Raiders are a case study in professional sports that if you don't draft well and take care of the guys who are coming up and who are have got to be developed and you've got to put time and care into how they perform in their first few years, you aren't going to win. It's not going to happen. If you show me a team that has drafted poorly year after year after year, I'll show you a team that ain't going to win a title. And with Mayock and Gruden, they had plenty of other issues off the field. But if you're drafting this poorly and your first-rounders are getting cut in year two, the story always ends the same, no matter the sport. I always felt like in the Gruden era, there was a sense that they sort of believed they were smarter than everyone and made decisions that didn't make sense. So I'll give you two. One is Alex Alex Leatherwood. I mean, he was projected a third-round pick. And they took him in the first round. And when they took him, and he was at Alabama, so it's not like he was some – you couldn't even make the case that you could make with the offensive lineman that the Patriots just picked, the kid from Chattanooga in the first round. You might say, well, maybe he's projected low because he went to Chattanooga, right? And so people Mm -hmm. just didn't know. This was a kid that went to Alabama. And I feel like – I don't know about you, Nick, but if a kid goes to Alabama, chances are people know him pretty well. And if he was, if everybody else had him in the third round, you pick him at the first round, you believe you're smarter than everybody else, and clearly they weren't. Then with Lynn Bowden, I know he was here at Kentucky. He was one of the best receivers they've ever had at this school. He played quarterback for a little while. He got picked by the Raiders in the third round, which was about where he was projected. But then they told him, we're going to make you a running back. He had never played running back. He played wide receiver and quarterback, and they just look at him and say, well, now we're making you a running back. And guess what? It didn't work because you know what? 
He's not a running back. He's a wide receiver. They trade him to Miami, and he plays wide receiver. I just always thought with Gruden, there was just this view, I just see things none of you understand, and that's why we are going to be so wonderful, and clearly that blew up in his face. And and I'm smarter than everybody else. And, Matt, that's the part when you talk to people that were around the Raiders and when you listen to the people, I know Keyshawn has talked about this, on his show plenty of times that were around the Bucks, Gruden always felt like he knew better than everybody else. And when you have an ego in play, and again, this is not just a Raiders issue. This is a professional sports issue. When you have an ego in play that is not in check within the way everything else has to go in the organization, you are bound for big, big problems. We've seen it here as as we're reading off this list and to – Think that Leatherwood <laughs> made it through one season is now gone. It's just another reminder of just how badly things ended for John Gruden and that Raiders franchise. I used to always say back when I, you know, now I host an NFL show, so I keep up with it a little more. But I used to always say, if I know an offensive lineman's name, it's a bad sign because that means they're screwing up because that's what I – Alex Leatherwood, it felt like every time I watched the Raiders, including the preseason, his name got mentioned all the time, and it was usually, uh, Leatherwood got beat again. And they kept trying and trying and trying, and they gave up. So I look at this class this year. He got knocked off and got cut, and they are going to start their seventh-round pick who is offensive tackle Thayer Munford Jr., who I thought was in a musical group with his brothers and his sons, and now all of a sudden he's going to be the offensive lineman. I mean, there is a sense in which you're going with a seventh-round pick to start. you got to be a little concerned if you're a Raiders fan, right? Uh, I, think, I think you always have to be concerned when you're lining up a seventh-rounder to begin a with. A rookie, yeah. <laughs> but, but, Matt, when you're, when you're going through all the different machinations of – of the roster, and you mentioned it at the top here, when when Leatherwood's projected as a third-round pick, and he comes up in the first round, and universally everybody goes, huh, what, 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 what happened here? That's when you know that you could have a real issue, and now you're starting a seventh-rounder. So not exactly what Josh McDaniels could have hoped for in, in year one out there, but you figure with the way Carr and the rest of that offense – looks to be running it could be something that they could work through as the season progresses well I guess we we shall see now Josh McDaniels of course the new Raiders head coach but he's leaving the Patriots who now don't have an offensive coordinator and everybody's concerned but will it matter to Mac Jones will the Patriots really take a step back that's next here on Katie and Carlin on ESPN Radio Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I never really like Nick. I'm Matt Jones. He's Nick Friedale. I don't really like when people – so, you know, my name's Matt Jones, and there's like 900 Matt million Matt Joneses. There's a ton of them in sports, too. I mean, there's a golfer, and there's a basketball player, and football player. There's the Arkansas guy who was the Jaguars' first-round pick. So – so I, I get confused with by other with for other people, and now Mac Jones is in the league, and I don't like that either, because when he plays poorly, Patriots fans will tweet me and get angry at me because they think his name is Matt Jones, and they'll just go, you know, you're you're a bum, and I just have to take it. So I'm actually rooting for him to play well for that reason, but there are some people who think. He's going to struggle because he doesn't have his offensive coordinator. After a very fine rookie season, Josh McDaniels is now in Las Vegas. Mike Reese, our ESPN Patriots reporter, says he's going to miss him some. Every time he would come to the sideline, he would be shoulder to shoulder with Josh, and they had developed a great chemistry together. So I, I don't think you can dismiss the fact that the change is significant. I do think they can get to where they want to go. It's just going to take a little time, and this is a different setup, and it's unconventional. That's sort of what I keep coming back to. Ultimately, Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game, measured this out, and he decided that this was the best thing for Mac Jones to have Matt Patricia calling the plays, Joe Judge as the quarterback coach, and Bill himself. By the way, my producer's saying, how do Patriots fans think Matt Jones's Twitter hang- handle is KY Sports Radio? There's another handle, Matt Jones Radio, they write, just so you know. But that's how that happens. But, Nick, most of them don't make that confusion, and hopefully they'll be positive. But I do worry. I'm a big believer if you have – Two leaders, you have no leader. And they say, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, they'll do it together. It's fine. Don't worry about it. For a second-year quarterback, I just don't think that works. Maybe you can do that with Tom Brady, but I don't think you can do it with a second-year player. Do you? I think you can if you trust Bill Belichick that much. And, Matt, that's, to me, the overarching point in all of this. And, And when we heard from Mike Reese, he made reference to Belichick laid it out, and he figured, okay, This is the direction for us to go. And in my mind, whether or not you believe that Mac Jones can live up to the hype and do a little more this season than he did last year after a solid rookie campaign, you have to trust that Belichick knows not only what he's doing, but knows that this is the best course of action for Mac Jones. So, in that regard, I'm usually with you. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have... Two coaches running the same thing, you've got a problem because egos get involved and everything else. But if Belichick says that this is the best course of action for his his team and his quarterback, given his track record and what he has accomplished in his career, I'm willing to give him credit in this aspect and see how things play out. 
All right, far be it from me to question Bill Belichick. He knows, you know, he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I, so, so I, I don't, I just want to say that up front. I'm not trying to be the arrogant goober on the radio, act second guessing. Bill They're going to tweet you. They're going to tweet <laughs> you, man. But I'm going to be the arrogant goober, second guessing Bill Belichick. That's all true. But he was doing it with the greatest quarterback to ever play, right? And so you probably can do things with Tom Brady that you might not be able to do with Mac Jones in his second year. I mean, can it work out? Sure. But the idea that this is the best course of action for a second-year quarterback, I just don't know how someone can make that claim, Nick. I mean, again, it could work out. There are things that can work out but still aren't the way you should have done it. I just don't know how you believe – I mean, nobody does this. Nobody plays without an offensive coordinator. Why would you do it with with a kid who's just barely in the league? Because you've got the arrogance to pull it off. Yeah. But now we just said that John Gruden's arrogance cost him. Don't you think even someone amazing can have their arrogance bring them down? A hundred percent. And Matt, only time will tell. But to the question of whether or not the ego can get too big, hell yeah, it can. Yeah. And and you can make mistakes just because you think that you are smarter and you think your plan is better than somebody else's. But the difference is that Belichick and it was with Brady, but with Belichick, he has won time after time after time. And that's why, at least in the case between Belichick and Gruden, he's always going to get more leeway to work out whatever decisions he makes. So, on the surface, it looks really strange. But again, we've talked about the same theme throughout the show. And we started with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners and saying, well, are they on the same page? They are if they've talked about it and the transparency has been there. And, Matt, what I would say back to you as far as the Patriots are concerned, you can't tell me that Bill Belichick for the last few months as he prepared for all this hadn't said, all right, Mac, we're going to have these couple coaches with you all the time. This is the way things are going to run. Are you comfortable with all this? And if you have that buy-in from your young quarterback and he trusts that Belichick will put him in the best place to have success, that is crucial and can make everything else secondary as they try to string some more wins together. You know, you may be right, but both those dudes just came off jobs where they royally failed. And I'm not saying that they're not good coaches. I'm not saying that they're not going to succeed. I just – I it's, it's sort of like when guys – and you know this in the NBA. Sometimes it's very hard for the elite players to be good coaches. It's usually yeah. the secondary players who end up being the best coaches because elite guys have a hard time understanding – dudes who weren't as good as them and relating to them. I wonder if if you've dealt with Tom Brady for 20 years, the things that apply to him may not apply to everybody else. And I, you know, I've often wondered seeing Brady down in Tampa Bay. How does he listen to Byron Leftwich? Like he, he has to at some point be like, you know, I was better than you for, for when I played, but he does. And if, and if Brady will do that, I don't know how you can have Matt Jones without a coordinator. But, like you said, we'll find out. Uh, and I'll throw this one out there right before we get out of here with the Patriots, Matt. Have we ever seen a less successful coaching tree of a major name no, in pro sports? No, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's Because usually guys like him produce – but he may just be somebody who everything is so internal to him that it just doesn't work right. without him sort of you being a master. You can't replicate it. 
Exactly. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm here, well, not me, but they are here to help you score big savings. To see how much you can save on auto insurance, visit Progressive.com. I'm a nice guy, but I can't save you anything on auto insurance, but Progressive.com can. Now, the Patriots have two leaders on offense, but so does Michigan, kind of. And you know what? Jim Harbaugh says that's exactly how the Lord wants it. We'll tell you why next on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Nick Friedel. I'm Matt Jones. Now, Nick, we don't know each other very well, but you may not. You may know that I really like weird stories, right? So when I see a story, Matt, of, I would have guessed that <laughs> a person has been sentenced to prison for Super Bowl ring fraud. I need the details. So here's the details. A New Jersey man posed as a former New New England Patriots player in order to buy and sell Super Bowl rings that he claimed were gifts to Tom Brady's family. He was sentenced Monday to three years in federal prison. Scott Spina was sentenced by a judge after he bought a Patriots 2016 Super Bowl championship ring from a New England player who then left the team. Prosecutors said Spina paid the player, only identified as TJ, with one bad check and then sold the ring to an Orange County broker of championship rings. When he obtained the player's ring, he received information about the former player, and then he posed as a family member of Brady, claiming they were gifts that the the rings were gifts for Brady's baby. The rings were at no time authorized by Tom Brady. What do you make of a New Jersey man who says, by the way, see this championship ring? This was for Tom Brady's baby, and now I have it. See, this is where I think that being rich and really famous sometimes has its serious, serious drawbacks. Because, Matt, I wouldn't want to deal with all this stuff. We, we, We have that whole special from a few years ago where... Brady got his jersey stolen uh, by by the guy who posed as a journalist in Mexico. There's always some crazy stuff going on. It makes you shake your head. But why in the world would some guy go to these lengths to get to this point where well, now because he got sixty three thousand dollars? That's the answer. I actually think. And look, I don't think you should do this. I'm not advocating it. But I actually think rather than prison. The man that had the paid $63,000 for Tom Brady's baby Super Bowl ring deserves to have lost his $63,000. If you are so stupid that you think they made a Super Bowl ring for Tom Brady's baby and all you want is proof is that some dude named TJ said it, you don't deserve $63,000. As a matter of fact, it is good for society that that $63,000 has been taken from you before you do something stupid with it, Nick. Uh, The next stop is Vegas with that money, right? Well, he's going to lose it. It's just a matter matter of what Ponzi scheme he he falls for. What a idiot oh. and he's a banker of all things what a mess in a t- few seconds i'll tell you something else kind of 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify <laughs> shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com network, 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, you probably haven't been following the University of Michigan's quarterback battle. It's probably not something that you, unless you're a big Wolverine fan, that you spend a lot of time on. It's between Cade McNamara, who started at quarterback throughout last season, and sophomore J.J. McCarthy. And on paper, you would think, well, this guy took him to playoff last year. He's going to come back and he's going to start again. But apparently, it's not that easy. And Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan head coach, speaking of people who have strong, strongly high opinions of themselves, he described the competition this way. It's a, it's a process. It is a process. I mean, uh, for me to stay, stand up, I mean, no person, I mean, that's biblical. No person knows what the future holds. And um, it's a process. It's going to be based on performance. You know, both, uh, both have been tremendous uh, quarterbacks. We think that, that both can, are, are capable of leading our team to a championship. So Harbaugh says, no person knows what the future holds. It is biblical. And while... Theoretically, I'm a religious person, Nick. I mean, I might agree with that. Nobody truly knows what the future holds. I would argue that Jim Harbaugh knows who he is going to pick as his starting quarterback. I don't think that's a mystery that I need to consult Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to understand he could just pick a quarterback. Do you like the idea of this biblical decision doing what Harbaugh is going to do, which is have one start in the first game against Colorado State and the other start in the second game against Hawaii. No, <laughs> because, Matt, when you when you have gotten to this point all the way through camp, I'd throw something else out as well, which is the players in the room almost always know. Yes. And while there can be a split, certainly that happens in college and in pro football the players almost always know, and the coaches watching all that tape, they certainly know. So my advice to Jim Harbaugh would be, one, when you mention the big man upstairs, that's not usually a good thing in a public forum, especially when you're talking about your quarterback battle. Two, when you're trying to split time in this manner, what happens when QB1 comes out and and dominates, and, and then you've already said you're going to start QB2? So... I don't think this is the right way to be. I would give guys, both guys some snaps in the first game, but Harbaugh is a different cat, and when you have, again, it seems to be a theme for us throughout the day, when you have the egos in play with which they are, and Harbaugh certainly thinks that he is the smartest guy in the room, then anything can happen. The difference, Matt, in this case is Harbaugh is coming into this year after getting to the playoff and he hasn't had that type of fallback uh, at any other point during his tenure. Well, I mean, he was unbelievably arrogant before he ever made a playoff. So I Absolutely. knew I knew that when he made a playoff, he was going to be absurd. I didn't necessarily think he would bring uh, God into the decision-making. I'm not a person, Nick, who I think can speak definitively on philosophy or matters of faith, but I will say this. Here's one thing I feel very confident God does not care about, who the quarterback is in week one for the University of Michigan. I think that's a decision that Jim Harbaugh can make that he will not need to do a biblical text read to make because it's a game of football, and sometimes football coaches do not realize that.
But I also don't understand this philosophy because, you know, if you're a quarterback who led the team to the playoff, I don't understand how you don't start the next year. But if you're going to make the move, then I think you have to do what San Francisco does and just make the move. What you can't do is have these guys go back and forth. I'm struggling to ever think of a situation where having two quarterbacks and playing them both in a competition has ever worked. There have been a couple times when a quarterback like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, Tebow was definitively not the starter. He would come in only in goal line situations. Okay, so that worked. But in general, that simply does not work. And why does Harbaugh think it's going to work here? Well, we know the answer as to why. And the why is because Harbaugh thinks that he can outsmart every other person that he comes across. But Matt, the Tebow Lee comparison is the only one I could think of as well. And in all the years when we've seen the the two quarterback switch and ah oh, this guy's going to get this series and that guy's going to get that one. But Leak was the starter. Tebow just had he had a set group of things he was supposed to do. Yeah. They didn't they didn't say you all are competing. And Tebow would come in and throw the jump pass and everybody would go nuts and they would say, "Oh, yes, okay. We know what this guy can do." But the point is well taken because he had a set amount of plays and a, a set system that he felt comfortable in. If you're Michigan, I don't know why that you would split up games this far in advance. And even more, I think that Harbaugh is running the risk of upsetting guys in the room who already know in their minds who they feel should be starting yeah, all along. I think that's a huge point, and I think that's a point that actually applies not just to Michigan, but it applies across the board in all sports. The people – I always like to do this, and you're – I mean, listen, you, you, you're you on the on the beat in the NBA, and I'm sure you do the same thing. I always like to ask the players because if you can get the players in a in an honest moment, they'll tell you who's good and who's not. Oh, yeah. The that's players always know, The Matt. players always know. They don't feel – like, here's what the players don't worry about. Oh, no, he might transfer. Oh, no, I promised his parents this when I was recruiting. Oh, no, he's at a high school and there's another player coming from the high school and I don't want to upset the coach. Those are things that factor in. The players know who's better. And if you're a coach and you put a dude on the field that is definitively not the best player, that's how you lose a locker room. And I've seen it happen where the players knew you should be playing this guy, you're playing this guy, and that tells the players that their effort is not going to be rewarded. And even more, it starts to fracture, especially early in the season, what you hope is going to bring that camaraderie together later in it. So uh, Harbaugh, as usual, is playing with a little fire, but Matt, that is the point to hammer home here. Players always know who they want to be with, and they always know who has the most talent. And to what you're saying, we should repeat it over and over. It doesn't matter the sport. It's a unification in the room of just how everybody feels, and the same thing's going to happen here for the Wolverines. And as a general rule, anyone who wears khaki pants regularly should not be cocky because there is nothing cool about it. And if you do it, that says to me that you have no notion and you should just be completely humble, something Harbaugh is not.
Our next guest talked to the CEO of the 49ers last week. What did he learn about their quarterback situation? That's next here on Kenny and Carl.